oh, I got this list of things, these intercessory things, these prayers for other people, but yeah, I'm short on time. Uh, they'll get by. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. And folks, you're not going to believe who is sitting across from me. Uh, at least on my computer screen at the moment, it is, of course, the inimitable Daniel Fox, my friend. Oh, How wow. are you? Thank you. I'm doing well, and I, I feel I really feel gratified to be called inimitable, and I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I I'm, I need to just minute. I'll look that up. Quick. Well, um, unless uh, unless it's not the word I'm thinking of, it means I can't be imitated, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not like right. there um, is infamous. D- no, though I, maybe maybe it's arguable <laughs> that, we could apply that could for apply that too. too. But uh, what I mean is that there's there's no one who can really be a carbon copy of of Daniel Fox. Yeah. There's no one well, who can really you. imitate. You're one of a kind, uh, and uh, and and that's yeah. Yeah. Well, and I look up the definition, and it gives you some latitude, which is good because it says so good or unusual <laughs> as to be impossible to copy. So like, you know, you're just that good or you're just kind of weird, you know? So it gives you that, that latitude to say, you're just, you broke the mold, man. Uh, yeah. So anyway, thanks. Well, I meant it in the good way. Yeah. Well, in thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you very much. Good to be back. Yeah. Seems like it's been uh, forever. And I uh, yeah. started listening to one of uh, your interviews um, with uh, Pastor Blair today. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gotten through that one yet, but, uh, and then I still need yep. to get to that, uh, the next one. That you've done yes. as well. So that's good. That's good. So what yeah. what has gone on with you in the last month? <laughs> uh, just work, work, work all, all the time, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going from one thing to the next, from uh, surgery work to shop work to church work to the continuing school. education yes, work. Right. And, uh, right. And then uh, back to, you know, <laughs> surgical work and, and then starts all over again. Yes. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I got a, um, head cold here a month ago and it's just that, you know, kind of your head gets clogged up and that insane amount of drainage and all that stuff. Well, then it kind of morphed into the, it, that sort of dried up and it turned into a, this irritating dry cough. And after about two weeks, uh, somebody said, I think you ought to get that checked out. And so anyway, I, went to the doctor at about the two and a half week mark. And she said that she was treating me for walking pneumonia. So it had turned mm. into a veritable man flu. I mean, like my life was at stake, you know, and I, I needed, I need every bit of TLC that I right. could get. Uh, no, anyway, it, uh, you know how men are. Don't you love, have you seen the man flu memes? Just like it's, it's no, I have not. No, it's it, yeah, it's where, where basically it'd be like a slight cough to a woman or something, but to us, it's like you know, nearly dying in childbirth or something like that. It's um, oh. it's just that it's it's like exponentially more serious to us yeah. when we have it as men, where when Is a it? woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'll admit I'm kind of a baby with that stuff. Um, I, I, it's, it's irritating. I hate being sick and, um, yeah, I can't say that I, I, I require that kind of, uh, attention, but, um, but I think I know, but, men the, can. but the exaggeration is funny. It is funny. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, finally, uh, yeah. I'm about uh, 98% off of that, I think, and, uh, feeling a lot Good. better. <clears throat> and uh, then had to travel out of town for a few days for a kind of a family medical emergency. And um, mm-hmm. 
and anyway, it uh, had a had a nice visit there, and uh, things went pretty smoothly, and the Lord gave safety. So, uh, yeah. kind of back and at it, and it's one of those weeks where I, I I'm adding things to my list faster than I can get them done, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a little like. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I, I guess that's that's job security, you know. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I have this this phenomenon with my to do list where I'll bump something to the next day that didn't get done oh, yeah. on that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the and end of the, the week, next <laughs> around, and then I bump it to the next day. Yeah, by the end of the week, you got 142 <laughs> items on your to do right. list for Friday. Yeah, and then <laughs> at a certain point, things start to just kind of get deleted off of it because like, I guess I didn't need to do that. And then that, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's not that. Not that's not that important. And that's maybe, good though. <laughs> that's a self-refining process. That just yeah. ah, that wasn't really as important as I thought it was on Monday. Yeah. So, are we making an argument for procrastination? Is that what we're doing? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Procrastinating the th- well, it depends on what that's you're right. doing during the week and what you're procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to Procrastinating Together, uh, the podcast for <laughs> yeah. Christians who like to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Speaking of procrastinating, it's I guess it's about time that maybe we uh, thank our patrons over at yes. patreon.com slash reason together. And thank you for uh, joining us for another conversation. We're just kind of catching up here. It's been, a, it's been quite a while since Tom and I have talked. And uh, thank yeah. you for uh, keeping this conversation going, not just li- literally this specific conversation, but I mean, just our our continual conversation and the opportunity to put out this content, you uh, do a lot and we sure appreciate what you do. Yes, we do. Hey, um, my son came up with this and I thought you would get a kick out of this. Okay. He said, and this is completely gratuitous comedy here. He (laughs) said, uh, he said, you guys should record a podcast where you're sitting in a pool for hours and call it raisin together. (laughs) <laughs> oh brother <laughs> raising together I get it I get raising it. it you get it okay yes, I do although for it. me it probably takes much less than hours in the pool <laughs> <laughs> all right oh brother well, I, like I said completely gratuitous I had no other reason for bringing that up <laughs> other, other than a shameless attempt to try to get you to belly laugh yeah, on the air sorry <laughs> As usual. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. So. All right. Um, I was. I'll, take, I'll take a contrived laugh. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. We, we've got a good list of questions as I was looking at them uh, earlier today and really kind of varied. I mean, it's not just all on one topic. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's most of it, if not all of it's feedback. Um, from other folks. Okay. So that is really cool. Um, so I'm, do you, are you ready to jump in here or, uh, go ahead and, uh, take it away. Okay. Okay. Let's start off with, um, I, I, I don't know if it was my favorite episode that we've done and we're up over 150 now, right? Um, this is one, 154. So we've got a lot of content under our belt, but I have to say that I, so enjoy talking about numerology. I just, really, I, you know, yeah. It, I mean, because it's so, it's so malleable and, and yeah. it, it's so easy to be a punching bag in a way. It's just a lot of fun. So anyway. So, so you enjoy it for the comic relief rather yes. than for like, okay. Right. For actual, actual meaning. Yeah. I don't yeah. You know, look at it for meaning, but. Um, right. Uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, 
we got some feedback on that. Someone actually yeah. shared a couple of websites, which I, I uh, forgot to take a look into, but I'm sure they would be fun. But he, he, uh, he started by sarcastically chiding us and saying, I can't believe you guys don't see the obvious correlations and applications of all the numbers in the Bible. And yeah. I just, I confess, I don't yet. I'm, I'm, I'm young, I guess, in the ministry. I can still call myself young, maybe. <laughs> anyway, he says, on a slight side note, we did miss that 151. Was that the episode that it was? 151, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Because yeah. I thought it was 150. Now it's going to make a big deal, 150, and you could, like burst that bubble like in the first nope. 10 seconds. You, you and, were gone on 150. Okay, okay. So yeah. uh, we, he says, uh, we did miss that 151 is a prime number. I'm sure that has some prophetic significance somewhere because obviously if it's prime, yeah, it's prime. Yeah, you know, like right. prime time. Right. Like this is yeah. prime meat. Yeah, <laughs> or something. Or, okay. or or it's like related to you know in the pastoral epistles that God cannot deny Himself, meaning He cannot be divided. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Prime cannot number. Be divided. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Okay, so he says, I'm also disappointed that y'all didn't even reference the centered hexagons and star numbers in Dr. Payne's slides. Now, I confess, I apparently did not go deep enough into the slides to find the centered hexagons or the star numbers. Um, then, uh, with more sarcasm, he adds, uh, even more important, if you take, and I, I, James, I appreciate your the, the, the work you did on this feedback here. Uh, he says, uh, if you take the numer numerical value of the name reason together, you get 72 for reason and 98 for together. So since <laughs> 72 plus 98 equals 170, it stands to reason, <laughs> no pun intended, that the world will end and Christ will return at episode 170. Huh? Oh, boy. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Where are we? 154? Uh, something like that. Yeah, that's right. One, oh, we okay, gonna, yeah. We're going to need to delay some episodes here, I think. 16. Uh, but yeah. if you include podcast in the calculations, uh, now it's 170 plus 78 plus podcast. Let's see, okay, plus 78 for podcast. It's 248, which... <laughs> <laughs> He says 248 is the number which apparently symbolizes determination, stability, truth, etc. No, oh, is that what it is? Who who wouldn't know that? Everybody knows that 248 <laughs> is the number of stability and determination sure. and reasoning and podcasting and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, in fact, there is an entire website dedicated to the spiritual significance of numbers. And I imagine yeah, that's one that he that's added right. there. I'm so glad I found this site as I would have been in the dark as to the significance that God gave to numbers had it not been to that website, he says, to this site. Uh, right. No more ignorance for me. I'm, it connected me to my spirit animal that I didn't know I had. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, See, yeah, I, was... at least one of our listeners has, has, has latched upon the uh, importance of numerics. Yes. We have one listener whose hexagons are truly centered. centered. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Do, 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 do. Okay. Um, so uh, moving on, let's see here. Uh, let's, this, this one may not be as long. Um, okay. 
So, uh, you know, whenever we say that, though, we end up talking like the rest of the episode. Right. Right. Wait, is this from the same? Yeah, it is. Okay. 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 Same uh, person writing this feedback here. Thank you, James, for your tremendous support and the feedback. Uh, From a pastor friend of his, he writes this questions on church music as it relates to Ephesians 619. You want to pull that up and read that for us? Um, Sure. Ephesians 6 and verse 19. He says, uh, number one, does anyone know of a church that obeys the Bible by singing the Psalms as a part of their worship service? Um, Because Ephesians, I think, I wonder if he means Ephesians. I actually do. Um, Mm -hmm. I know of one that does. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, not exclusively, but they do sometimes use a Psalter. Okay. He's talking about Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of context what we're talking about. So what, uh, so you, you know of a church that, that uh, uses a Psalter? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. It a, is At it least that's what church? I'd heard. I've not been there, okay. but I have heard that. And yes, it is a Baptist church, independent yeah. Baptist church. Okay. Um, which I, I, interestingly, I learned uh, um, about, I think it was, which one of the Wesley brothers was it that was the songwriter? It was Charles, Charles wasn't it? Charles, I want to say, right? Yeah. John. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it was Charles. Mm-hmm. John, John was the preacher perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but Charles Wesley and I could be getting this flip-flopped, but when he when he wrote his hymns, he essentially paraphrased Psalms hmm. uh, and it, like put them in his own words, and those became his his hymns, many oh, of see. them. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it essentially that they were based on Psalms, mm-hmm. uh, which is why they're often very doctrinally rich um, songs. And there was a term that the writer gave that, um, <laughs> I forget what it was now. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of how Psalter's were in some cases developed. In answer to that first question, I too have heard of a um, of a tr- at least a church or two uh, that does sing psalms. Uh, in fact, uh, one of one of them is a Free Presbyterian church, um, and the other somebody seemed like somebody just recently was talking to me and said, you know, that's that's basically from the Psalms or whatever. And I and so and that seemed like that was maybe Baptist <laughs> there, but uh, anyway. So I think there are a select few. Not all Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, yeah, yeah, not all Baptists. I would say, but um, that that actually use the Psalms in their singing. Um, but then we get to he, now. He's starting to kind of bring the, an application in, or you know, a question where the rubber meets the road. Why do you suppose churches are failing to obey this command from Scripture? Hmm. I, I guess my first question would be: We we do take that as prescriptive, do we not? Is there anything in the text to indicate that that's not prescriptive? Uh, and by that, you mean that it ought to be done by every local church. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I, we do take that as prescriptive. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, as much it as does we seem take, that way. As much as we take, uh, you know, be filled with the Spirit is <laughs> not, oh, just, right. you know, that's something that a random guy can do maybe if he feels like, but this is something that ought to be done uh, amongst believers. So, yes, I would say we right. take that as prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, I agree. So, um, the, yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, is it possible that just kind of tradition is the reason why we don't like? We're just used to the hymn books, and we I, don't, or a lack of resources to find psalms put to to song. I, yeah, I don't know. Good. I I think that your first answer there, and the second, I agree with as well. But the first answer really does cover the big part of it, even though. 
other ones are sort of uh, associated with that. Really, we do what we do because it's the simplest thing to do, and it's what's been handed down to us. Uh, some, and I'm, I'm I'm saying us broadly, you know, not not saying that's why I do it necessarily, but um, but you know, it, 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 part of that then you like going to your second one, saying, well, but where would we find psalms to music? That's a difficult thing, you know. Just like where, sure. uh, well, you know, you need to, you know you know, uh, associate yourself with uh, the right kinds of music or the entertainment or, or, or dress or whatever. Well, sometimes that takes work to actually find what works, sure. if you will, what, what fits. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I'd have to say, well, yeah, that doesn't, it's not just readily apparent that, oh yeah, sure. Everybody knows that you go to such and such and get Psalms put to music, but mm-hmm. they definitely are out there and they wouldn't be that difficult to yeah. find. Um, but like you say, back to tradition, it would, every one of them would be new. Well, it's teaching your congregation yeah. new music that's probably um, not as, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to guess maybe it's not as um, bouncy. It's not as catchy. It's a little deeper. Sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes on there. Um, and, um, and I think there is a, uh, a, an issue of substance as years have moved on uh, in, if in, uh, I don't want, not, not new evangelical, but evangelicalism in the, in the church proper, not saying mm-hmm. every apostate church, but I'm just saying in, even in our churches, yeah. our music has, uh, I think, been shallowing over time. Sure. And, uh, and there, that's a bigger discussion uh, that we could have, but. Do uh, you, uh, do you think it's acceptable to, paraphrase the psalms for the purpose of musical meter sure oh um, i don't have any problem with that now whether so, it would so, still be called that leads go ahead that kind of leads to my question then about wesley's hymns because mm-hmm. and maybe this is a dumb question if if what the writer that i was reading said about wesley is true that many of his hymns he essentially just paraphrased a psalm mm-hmm. is that would we consider that good enough as singing a psalm well, I suppose everybody's going to have to kind of come to that uh, answer in their own conscience, in a sense, whether that's, you know, whether it's the letter of the law. No, it actually has to be a verbatim psalm um, in my right. translation, in my English translation of the Hebrew psalm, you know, or can it be uh, a, a sum, summation of it? But I would have to say, obviously, going back to the text of the scripture, there must have been at least, you know, in that day, some distinction between a psalm and a hymn. Um, and so we say, well, Wesley's are mm-hmm. hymns, you know, well, we have a, de- we kind of have a definition to hymns now, even there's a, there's a distinction between a hymn and a gospel song. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, there is a def- definition. Now I'm not saying that definition is exactly what the definition of hymn was back in, you know, when it was written, uh, in the first century, but I'm just saying there was some distinction there between a Psalm and a hymn. So even if we say, well, we sing hymns that are rich and that are like, that are like the Psalms or from the Psalms, could we actually sing the Psalms still? Sure. You know, I mean, but, but yeah. whether, whether yeah, that I satisfies guess the, both, I don't know. Right. I mean, the question ultimately is how fungible is it really? You know, cause I mean, if you were to take a hymn book where every single song is based on scriptural principles, are you essentially singing scripture? You know, it's like, is it that fungible? And and I would argue, no, not entirely, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm saying. I just, uh, it seems. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I'm not am, am, read, am I making sense? What fungible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it has fungus and it's not well, squishy like a sponge. <laughs> um, well, I'm commandeering a word from 
from the, the context of money, right? Yes. So like if I give you a hundred dollars and then you go somewhere and you take a hundred dollar bill from your own wallet and you spend it somewhere else, have you spent the hundred dollars I gave you? Well, sort of, but it wasn't the same, same right. money I gave right, you. Right. Does that make sense? It's, yes. it's hmm. fungible. So to borrow that and, and kind of commandeer that for the context that we're talking about, if I paraphrase a psalm and s- for the purpose of singing it so mm-hmm, that it, it mm-hmm. fits a, a certain meter, you know, to be able to sing it uh, more easily, you know, is that fungible? Am I in a sense still singing the psalm or, or am I not really singing it until I sing it word for word? Maybe that's a dumb, dumb question. No, I don't know. Uh, in my in my own mind, I guess it just I'm, I'm maybe shooting from the hip here, but I'd have to say my own personal heart of hearts right now. If I had to answer the question right now, I would say that uh, summary would be appropriate. Um, not okay. to, because because yeah, you're already dealing with an English translation of the Hebrew Psalm, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying that's a summary per se, but it's a translation. And then you're taking that translation, like you say, and trying to put it into a meter where I actually can put it to music. Now, the way they did it would have been different. But see, some, sometimes they, they, well, they had a poetry to it. It's not quite like our poetry is. But sure. anyway, but their whole singing style, we might be yeah. more into the meter that really like, yeah, that meter right. feels the same. Well, okay. Because it's hard to sing. It's hard to sing an, a right. psalm word, word for word. Up. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. And I've, I've been places where it's been tried. Um, long time ago, you know, and it's, it's a little clunky, at least for our, our Western concept of music. Hey, let me just throw but, this in here since it's kind of related to this. Um, I have heard, um, and I've got my hands on some of the scripture choruses that have been made, but I, I, I know of a, a church or maybe heard of two where, where they really have compiled a lot of scripture choruses. What do you think of that? Well, we're not talking about a Psalm per se, but you know, just uh, Ephesians five, whatever. And. What's that? So like an example. Give me an example. Okay, like uh, Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your yeah. parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, that's from Bible yep. Truth Music, and they've done a great job making several books of uh, children's um, uh, choruses like that. Well, they're, mm-hmm. they're scripture choruses, and they're almost verbatim the the verse itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they did a nice like job. And some of them are really catchy. Um so yeah, I think they they certainly have their place and can can really be a memory aid when you're trying to say, man, what, what was Romans ten thirteen yes. or Romans ten nine ten and thirteen? Well, then you, oh okay, I remember the chorus and yeah yeah, and some of them I've used them in the past a number of them, and um, and some yeah, of them I are still, especially uh, catchy. I still remember uh, choruses like that from when I was a kid. Uh, we sang one about First John four seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another. Okay. So, okay. And uh, and I still remember that one. Um, so yeah, it works. It helps. It helps you remember. So I the the uh, the scripture choruses. Yeah, I think they certainly can have their place as they're done appropriately. And of course, um, sure. just like in maybe this would be a segue into our next question. Just like um, preachers can use the word inappropriately. So obviously, if you're setting scripture to music. You can set it to incorrect music, and that's certainly that's I think part of what we're seeing in in uh, an, in, an interesting modern twist to music, maybe around a decade ish ago, where um, 
you know, one of the arguments used to be, oh, you know, that contemporary music shallow, you know, seven eleven, seven words sang 11 times or whatever, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you got the Wesley hymns that are, uh, you know, nice and deep and rich and doctrinal. Well, then you have the Gettys come along and they take a Wesley hymn essentially, and they put it to more modern music. Oh, okay. Well, now you've kind of lost that argument a little bit. You have rich mm-hmm. hymns, but you have to question, well, what kind of music am I putting it to though? So it's not to say that it's all, it sanctifies every bit of music um, yeah. that it goes with. But anyway, I think there's a lot out there that's been appropriately done and uh, can be a just sure. a helpful thing, especially with with young people, but really with anybody. It's... Yeah. The, uh, the third question <clears throat> that James asks ah, here yes. in his series of questions, he says, do you think there is a connection between the present state of the church and the failure to sing the Psalms? This is a super interesting question, almost <laughs> as if, He's asking, has that, for lack of a better word, the health, has the health of the church suffered from not singing the Psalms? Um, At first blush, I would have to say maybe. (laughs) Um, And and maybe not, I mean, it's, it's, that's hard. That's a hard thing to answer. You know, are they suffering? Is their health suffering for, for disobedience sake? Maybe. I would say maybe the health of the church is more suffering just from lacking in an understanding of the Psalms. Like like we were saying, the, the singing scripture helps you remember scripture. And how many people really remember that many Psalms, right? Mm. And how, how beneficial would it be if we remembered more Psalms? So mm. in that sense, yeah, I'd have to say maybe there is a connection. I'd have to, I'd have to ask, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg is, you know, is it that we didn't sing the Psalms, so now the health of the church has gone down or the health of the church has gone down, so therefore we don't sing Psalms. I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, Sure. It's not, it's not um, necessarily a cause, but it's a symptom um, of, you know, of a maybe more shallow church um, in our generation. And that goes to several causes, you know, and one of the primary ones to me is, um, is our understanding of maybe what preaching is and how it's to be done and the importance of the word and the study mm-hmm. of the word. So, I mean, there, as we've drifted from, you know, um, um, a more in-depth study or an understanding of what preaching is supposed to be, um, then of course we've declined into more entertainment and, uh, and things like that. And at some point the Psalms have gone by the wayside. Yeah, I guess. I, I honestly don't even know that. I, I don't know. Like, well, when when did Baptist churches sing psalms? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'd have to look mm. back into the history of singing uh, to, to see, um, you know, when that even happened. Interesting question. That'd be an interesting study. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah well, good. Thanks for the questions there, James. Um, yeah. Thank you. So what about dealing with this next one up here? Um, because I feel like it's related uh, in in a sense to what I just said a minute ago. We can... We can misuse, say, um, scripture as it applies to music, but we can just misuse scripture, period. Um, and and mm-hmm. that can be done uh, on a spectrum to the side of, you might say, ignorance of saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and, I, and I, I even hate to use the term when people say, bless God. I, you know, it's just like, <laughs> kind of sounds yeah. like a curse word. I mean, it, it's like, is it, you're just taking right. God's name in vain. Um, but, you know, like... Uh, I never had that college learning and I, I know the Bible and, you know, you know, whatever, whatever, kind of like ignorance is whatever. Um, God blesses ignorance or something. But on the other hand, right. then you can have the, the super, you know, the super astute, 
uh, almost Gnostic approach that says, you know, this is, this is what the Bible means. So, right. Well, I mean, to get to the, yeah, the question is regarding the misuse of scripture and you're saying that it can be done on both ends of the academic spectrum. Yes. Right. That's, yeah, that's a good way and that, that is, you know, someone who rejects any kind of scholarship because they think it may be, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's scholarship leads to Calvinism. Um, no, <laughs> um, doesn't have to, <laughs> doesn't have to No, And, uh, or, or on the other side of the spectrum where like every other word out of the preacher's mouth is, uh, you know, reciting what the Greek or the Hebrew says, which isn't by itself bad. But misuse can happen on both ends of the spectrum. This question is from, uh, I think it's from Nathan, one of our patrons. Okay, I didn't see a name on it. so Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's from, from him. Uh, he says, I think this continued discussion of numerology connects with a thought a few episodes back when you guys talked about finding secret meaning in the Bible. If we go down the road of searching for hidden code and secret meanings, it will eventually be used to mean whatever we want it to mean with unfalsifiable claims. A new word I learned from Tom on RT. Uh, it is important for preachers with knowledge in the biblical languages to be extremely careful not to do this same thing with Greek and Hebrew. An unscrupulous preacher can literally pull whatever meaning he wants from a lexical quote-unquote definition of a Greek word and make it a major point in his sermon with claims that no one in his audience can possibly question. This reality has understandably driven some away from studying the Bible in its original languages. While I don't think that it, that is the correct response, I also realize that I must be exceedingly careful to make sure I am preaching what the Bible is actually saying. And, and my thought would be that really, um, you know, you, yeah, going back to what he says, you, ha- you actually just have to, that's, that's what we're shooting at is what, is the Bible actually saying? Um, and that I yeah. mentioned earlier well, that our, our, our preaching has kind of devolved sometimes into, you know, here's what it strikes me, or here's the point I want to draw out of this text, or you know, and, and then we can draw out this big long point, and but then you go back and say, well, is that actually what it was saying, or is that just kind of what right. I want it to say? Well, a, a good example of this is actually at the beginning of this episode. So. And, and it's it's true, not just with the English language, but with every language, that words have different shades of meaning. Not even different uses. They have those for sure, but those are a little more clear cut. But even different shades sometimes mm-hmm. can be pulled. Like when I used the word inimitable at the beginning of this episode, I meant it in the sense that it cannot be imitated, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and and that that is a true usage of the word inimitable. Sure. But you looked it up and it said <laughs> that, but it also gave several other shades of the word that are all appropriate uses of the word inimitable. Uh, one other use being like, uh, what was it? Uh, unmatched or well, is unique. Uh, um, unique. And then, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, what was it? <laughs> yeah. Weird. And basically, weird. that's my word for it. Right. And if you were to look up that word before you used it, you could, in a sense, pick whichever shade of the word that you would like to use it for right now and perhaps pick a different shade later. Or maybe someone else picks the other shade of the word and so on. And the same can happen in, as Nathan puts it, lexical definitions. When you look up a Greek word or a Hebrew word, there isn't often just one word definitions given it's usually several oh, oh right yeah 
Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like he says, unscrupulous preachers can pick the shade of the word that they want to use in that moment. And, and that's why, you know, even looking at, at the grammar and the definitions alone is not going to be the final nail in the coffin of understanding what a text means. You have to look at how the word is being used in its context. How is the same word used in other places uh, in similar ways and so on? Um, so there, there does take some in-depth study to be able to yeah. to know how the word is being used. And and people have to be careful because when when you hear the preacher quote the Greek or the Hebrew, instantaneously it brings an appeal from authority. Um, and the people oftentimes in the pews are just thinking, wow, well, he quoted the original language there and I don't know Greek and I don't know Hebrew. So, I mean, this guy must be a scholar. He must be right. Well, sometimes they're not. <laughs> um, and I think that's the point that Nathan's trying to make. Yeah. What say you? Right. And I, well, but I mean, I don't, um, yeah, I think that's what he's saying is that you have to, uh, right. I mean, I'm you know, I could really restate what you said, but my question is, how do you fight that? So, you know, he said, um, this has understandably driven some away from studying the Bible in its original languages. While I don't think that is the correct response, I also realize that we must be exceedingly careful. I agree that that's not the correct response. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you know, people, they think, well, oh, original Greek, no way. I could never do that. I I could never learn Hebrew. Well, I I disagree. I I think Mm -hmm. people could. And if you say... Man, my my pastor said uh, that this word means that, and I thought that was a really interesting take. In fact, it almost sounds like too good to be true, or it's so bizarre. I never, you know, some guy preaches on prophecy, right, or whatever, and he he pulls out some really strange, unique meaning of the word, and you're like, I have never heard that before in my life. Well, my mm-hmm. challenge would be go study it out, go find sure. go find a study resource, and, you know, and, and ask some other, you know, call up another preacher and say, hey, have you learned Greek and Hebrew, <laughs> you know, or I'm sure with, you know, the bajillion YouTube videos or, or, or resource materials. Now, of course, you got to be careful with all of them because people have their slant. But nonetheless, you can do some, do some footwork to say, is that right? Um, it, c- can that even be seen in that word? And, and the more, because ultimately you want to drive at what does the scripture mean? And, and in order to do that, you've got to know what the words mean. And so it's not by saying, well, I just, an appeal to ignorance, I just, I cast you off because you, you, <laughs> you, you, you quote Greek and Hebrew, and that's an appeal to authority. And so I don't trust you. Well, no, that, cause all, it's all, could only be legit, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, we could. want, we want to know what it is in the original language. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, yeah, a guy certainly can use it. Um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to think about how many people take the word of God and twist it to mean something. I mean, sure. for, you know, you're talking you know, Mormons and, uh, and, and Satan himself, you know, in, uh, in Matthew chapter four, taking the word of God and, and quoting it to Jesus. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just throw out a name. I'm going to guess David Koresh, right? With Branch Davidians there. They were actually, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, you know, was he using scripture? I bet he was. And I mean, all these different people that aren't going to the uh, Quran or the Vedas or whatever, they're going to the scripture, the Christian yeah. scripture. And they're taking a verse and twisting it and making it mean this and layering it like this and saying that it's, it is, it's fascinating to see how, I mean, not just in a in a Baptist pulpit, but I mean, way broader than that. 
people can twist the word of God. So certainly we have to know what does it actually mean and how do we know that? Well, by studying it and by looking at the grammar and by looking at the definitions and things like that. And if you if you yeah. question what a guy is saying, be a Berean. Yeah. Dig into Beloved, it. Beloved, believe, believe not every spirit, yeah. <laughs> but try the spirits, whether they are right. God. But you can't try um, them if you don't know, if you don't have any knowledge to right. apply it to. So Sure. Good. This is a good question. Yeah, good. How much time we got left here? Uh, I've got a few more minutes. Uh, what do you want to hit bit. next? Hmm. Boy, this one I'm not prepared for. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, that's a heavy question. Are you talking about the baptism um, one? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so um, let's see. What is, let's see. I don't, uh, <laughs> this one is uh, what fun. Do you, what do you feel like doing? Okay. Uh, we could toss a coin, prayer or guardian angels, which what we, what we talk about here. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Um, okay. So it, right. we do one, two, three, then we throw the rock, paper, scissors, right? Yes. Okay. You can uh, see yes, my hand correct. ready. Yes. Okay. One, one two, two, three. three. Oh, you dog. Oh, I won. I, paper. Oh. Paper covers rock. Yeah, since I was like half second yeah. ahead, I should have like switched it. <laughs> I saw you like, Ding. okay. Um, no. Anyway, um, I, I I would say I would say go towards the prayer one here. That's that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Okay. Um. Do you, Do you object? No, not at all. Okay. Okay. So uh, Matthew writes in. Um, he says it seems like a, a like people have a lot of different opinions on prayer. I'm sure that's probably true. How how much should you, how much you should pray, when to pray, how to pray, etc. Sometimes when I hear people preach on prayer, I think, man, I wish I was dedicated enough to get up at three thirty in the morning for prayer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mean you don't? What? I mean, come on. <laughs> at least what he has heard. Yeah, like not saying I don't, but I don't. Right. Um, I, I don't either. He says, I I read a book recently that addressed the issue of how much you should pray. The author, this okay, get this. The author pointed out that running for thirty minutes three times per week is supposed to keep a person physically fit. There are some people who go beyond that, run marathons, but not everybody's a marathon runner. He said that in spiritual fitness, some people are not marathon runners, and that's fine. He suggests praying for thirty minutes three times per week in order to maintain a healthy prayer life. <laughs> Any thoughts on this? Mm. Um, well, I'm just going to stop at that question before we go on. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. I always get a little like my I, I get my eyebrow goes up a little. You could probably see it. It's going up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, see, like, I can't ah. do that. I have to like hold one down in order to make the other um, eyebrow go up. So I uh, it's like I'm saluting but, at you or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, when I hear something like that, that's a little formulaic to me. I kind of like my eyebrow raises up, and I'm like, what? So it's it the, just seems it's a the, little formulaic. So it's the formula but, that automatically kind of triggers your flag to go up. Like what? What? Like if if somebody right. puts a number and a number of times to that number, yeah. Okay. Well, and it's it's like it's like the how to messages, right? I was in a church years ago where the pastor almost every message he preached was how to this and how to that. And it's just after a while, it seems so stupid. How to this, how to that. Not that you could never use a name like that, but it just seemed so formulaic, uh, trying to essentially take the walking by faith out of the Christian life and essentially make it into a formula that you just do these three things and you'll have a healthy Christian life. And the other issue I have with it is kind of goes back to something you said earlier about a different subject was okay. the chicken or the egg. Mm. So do I pray for 30 minutes, three times a week to get a healthy Christian life? 
Mm. Or or do I pray because I have a healthy Christian life? Oh wow. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's kind of where yeah, I'm at. I hadn't with it. thought of that. That's interesting. My take on it is that I mean, now look, if you pray an hour and a half a week, amen. Okay. Yeah, that's sure. great. You know, and, and I'd even say that's a great start. So you you pray 30 minutes three times a week. My take on it though is it's so arbitrary um that you pull in a physical paradigm and go, now, if I ran 30 minutes three times a week, I'd be healthy. So if I pray Mm -hmm. 30 minutes three times a week, I'll be healthy. Uh, No, no, actually that doesn't, you know, that's not apples to apples really. Um, Spiritual health and physical health aren't that synonymous. You know what I mean? That if I just, yeah. is, uh, is Is your relationship with your wife or with your kids, would you ever refer to that as a discipline, a personal discipline of yours? You know, I haven't, but I could see where I would, uh, in a sense, especially with the children, have to be disciplined to spend time with them. But maybe that's not what you're referring to. No, no. I'm just thinking, you know, and, and I realize that there, there are different point, extremes though. on this. Yeah. So you're talking about, do I really call this conversation with the Lord a discipline? Or is it just a natural outflow of my relationship with right. him? Right. Good. Because I mean, honestly, if someone is is really walking with the Lord and they love the Lord and they have a relationship with the Lord, I've heard it said this way, prayer is like breathing. Hmm. Right. And, and and though I have obvious you know problems with that analogy, <laughs> um, it's not exactly like breathing, <laughs> but, but I get the sense of it. The sense is that why do I have to discipline myself to go talk to the Lord? You know, um, I want to talk to the Lord. I want to be with the Lord. In fact, I, you know, the, the idea would be, well, I talk to him also throughout my day. That, well, that yeah, prayer sure. is in a sense a, a communion, a communing with God. Yes. Um, and I think many people are approaching the subject of prayer with the expectation that most Christians just don't even think about talking with God mm. on a regular basis. And you have to force them or discipline them into doing so with yeah. some sort of habit tracker or a schedule. And, and that's kind of where I run Man, into the a, problem of a it a little bit. Point. And, and, and see, the thing is I'm all about habit tracking. I'm all about <laughs> schedules. I'm all right. about to-do lists right. and stuff like that. Right. If you, if you have to put prayer on your to-do list, fine. I, I'm fine with that. Uh, in fact, I, f- full disclosure, I have my personal time with the Lord on my to-do list. Yeah. And I, and I understand the practicality of that in the sense of I accomplished something this morning and checking it off my to-do list. But if, right. if you would not spend time with the Lord unless it was on your to-do list, there right. seems that seems to uh, be problematic. Um, right. Be that's that's of the a, point I'm trying to make. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make the whole chicken or the egg thing, you know, is it a discipline or is it a communion? Is it a relationship? Cause you know, I think about spending time with my kids and having a conversation with them, talking with my wife as I come and go throughout the day and such, that doesn't seem like a discipline to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Although again, I, I it, it, maybe it seems like it's splitting a hair. It does sometimes take discipline because you could get so busy that, honey, I don't have time to talk right now. I got I'm on this project. I got to go meet this guy over here. I got to go do this over here. I'm, I'm late for this over here. Yeah. So I can to see say, that. hey, bub, you need to slow down and take time for your wife. Well, yeah, that does happen. And so there are times where we say, you know what? I need to take time to spend with the Lord. 
but then bounce back. Right, and then but like this, this, the sense is always there though, that even if I am busy and I have to say to my wife, you know, we'll talk about this later or the kids, I'll spend time with you later. Even if I have to do that, my heart really wants to come back and talk to them, right? Uh, it's like, I, I really would rather just be there talking with them yeah. than going and doing this other thing that I'm busy with. And, and that's kind of how I think maybe prayer should be in, in the ideal Christian life is that I want to talk with the Lord. I want to commune with God, not just 30 minutes a day, but throughout my day. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. Throughout the day. I I agree. Now, let me just, let me just throw this angle in on it before we're going to have to tie this up, but it makes me think about, so I, 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 I resonate with that saying prayer is communion. We're, we're, we're communicating with the Lord throughout the day. And that's what's so uh, part of the awesomeness of prayer is that unlike talking to my wife, there's no barrier. Like, I don't have to pick up the phone or make sure her schedule's available. God is always available and he's a prayer away. It doesn't even have to be audible. And so it's so simple to communicate with the Lord. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, oftentimes you have people that you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to pray for you about that. Or, you know, I'll be praying for your family. I'll be whatever. Well, for me, if you're like me, your memory is mm-hmm. terrible. You know what I mean? So you're going to have to mark that down somewhere. You're going to have to make a list. And right. I know then some people actually have, you know, a time of prayer, which is great. And they work through a list. And I say, well, that's valuable because yes. they intentionally and consistently intercede for people because it's on the list, you know, where for me. That's an, it, okay. That's okay, a super interesting point. Okay. Super interesting point you bring up there. Cause you know, there are different types of prayer. Yes. In the scriptures, right? Correct, you have correct. things like pray, praise and worship type prayers. You have, in, uh, you know, uh, supplication where right. you're asking the Lord for yep. something and prayers of thanksgiving and, mm-hmm. and uh, even imprecatory prayers. <laughs> um, but, but you point out that intercessory prayer yes. seems to be a somewhat different animal in a sense because it it is praying for other people, mm-hmm. which requires my memory, which does bring personal discipline into the discussion of prayer. Yes, it can. Now, some people may remember things great and they just, they, they have 15 things on their mind and, oh, they're praying for so-and-so and so-and-so, but... You know, for somebody like me, it, it'd be helpful to have a list to to consistently remember this person that I said I would remember. Um, yeah. And, you know. Well, and the discipline for intercessory prayer doesn't necessarily just mean that I'm disciplining myself to remember everything that I need to pray for. But it's also disciplining myself to pray for other people that I would tend to not naturally care about as much as I care about myself. Yeah, because isn't the, uh, at least in my own experience, isn't the thing most readily on our minds, the thing that we're experiencing. So the thing that we're going to pray for, and and maybe rightly so, is, oh, this wisdom and this this provision that we need and and Lord answers and understanding. Okay, so all the things that are happening to us. So yeah, the people outside of our circle are the ones that come next or later. Sure. (laughs) Well, Well, yeah, because it's always easy to pray for our needs. Right. Because they're our needs. But if you've, if you're short on time or, or something like that, and and you see, oh, I got this list of things, these intercessory things, these prayers for other people, but yeah, I'm short on time. Uh, They'll get by. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but yet we don't often handle our own needs that way when it comes to prayer. Am I right? Sure. Like, like absolutely. selfishness can become a thing there. So it, it, intercessory prayer may be a different thing where personal discipline is more involved, mm-hmm. where the other types of prayer may be more like breathing as the, uh, yes. the illustration goes. I think we probably need to wrap that up there and move into yeah. the after show on that question. But that's a, man, that's a, that's a wonderful discussion right there. Uh, listeners, thank you so much. If you have anything to contribute to what we've been saying, or just a, another question that's been rattling around in your brain and, uh, and you'd just like to throw it our way and let us reason together with it. Um, let us know reason together podcast at gmail.com. That's reason together podcast at gmail.com. Give us your feedback, uh, positive, negative, random, <laughs> whatever. Yes. Uh, let us know. We, we sure enjoy, uh, having this list of things to talk from. Yes. Well, it's been good to have my friend and co-host back on this episode, and it's been good to have you listeners along with us. So uh, with that being said, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. Mm